Who were the people you imitated as a child? When I was a kid, I loved trying to play like Michael Jordan. Of course, I didn't come close, but he inspired me to be a better player. But when it comes to the Christian faith, how many people are imitating the way you live? Well, on today's podcast, we're going to be learning how to be imitators of God. So turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, and let's get into it. What's up, my friends? Welcome to Stand Strong in the Word podcast. So glad to be with you guys, as always. Man, I'm just excited as we're going to be looking at this passage today in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 6 through 10, as we will be learning how we can be imitators of Christ. My friends, that is the primary responsibility that we have as Christians is to be examples to people around us as we live out the gospel. We are not examples of one another per se, first and foremost, of course, that's not the case. We are to be examples of Christ. Famously, Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 11 verse 1, imitate me for I imitate Christ. So there is a correlation, there's a direct correlation, I should say, between how we live for Christ and how people can see Christ in us. And therefore, Lord willing, they will be more like Christ because of the example that we set. So I want you guys just to kind of picture right now, how many people would you say? I mean, if you have to pause this podcast or if you're taking notes or you grab your phone and you, and you put, you know, open up the notes app, I want you to list or at least consider for a moment the people in your life that do imitate your faith, that you know that for a fact. They're not just your friends, not just saying list people who are your friends or just list people who are your family members, but you would you would hope and pray that when you make that list or when you're thinking of it, you know, or I should say thinking of the people right now in your mind, that you have your family members on that list. And I'm not saying people that you hope would be on that list. I want you guys to be certain that the people you're putting on that list have told you or you know for a fact that they imitate your faith that you are such a great inspiration you're an example to them that's not cocky this is a drill for us to go through because what it does is it inspires us it convicts us it motivates us it emboldens us to continue to be aware not just have self-awareness but to be sensitive to the impact that we have in the lives of people around us, that we're making a difference uh, person to person, friend to friend, family member to family member, church member to church member, whatever the case may be, student to student, that you're sensitive to say, Lord, how am I imitating Christ around me? And how many people are actually seeing Christ in and through me? And maybe they speak to that. I'm not just saying it's always a compliment I've had people who are not Christian, but they can identify that I'm a person of faith. And that's important, my friends. And so make that list. Even after the podcast, if you have to consider this and and walk through that with a spouse or maybe a pastor or a confidant and say, you know, I want to make a list. I was listening to Stancer on the Word and it was really challenging because, you know, I've never really considered, yes, I have Christian friends around me, but I've never considered how my faith is being displayed for them to imitate. But I think it's important, you guys, because every single one of you listening who's a follower of Jesus Christ, God has placed you 
to be an imitator of Christ. So let's dive into podcast 186 now as we continue our study here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Notice Paul writes here, and you became imitators of us and of the Lord. Okay, see, let's just pause right off the bat. This is so astounding because you would think that it's actually Paul who is being, again, he's the apostle Paul. So he is the example for them to follow. Notice what he says, you, who's he talking about? The people he's writing to, the Thessalonians. He says, you became imitators of us and of the Lord. See, my friends, that's the power. It's not just Paul who proclaims the gospel and everybody gets saved. It's Paul who ministers to the Thessalonians. He's an example to them. Uh, Timothy's an example to them. Silas is an example to them. And they're an example because Paul was their primary mentor and example. So you see multiplication when we talk about multiplication because of discipleship. It's not subtraction, right? It's not division. It's multiplication. And now you have the Thessalonians who are not only imitators of Paul and his companions, his companions like Timothy and Silas, but of the Lord. And notice he says, for you receive the word in much affliction. Ah, isn't that true that when you see people go through trying times, whether they are aware of it or are being intentional about their witness in front of people, Right, meaning they haven't maybe they're not thinking it through per se. Like, what would I say? Or I'm going to walk in this situation. What if somebody were to ask me this question? They're going through a troubling time. They're going through affliction, and people just see Christ in them. Now we know that there are many times Paul was exhorting the new converts to follow his example. And my friends, if you're sharing the gospel out there, if you've led someone, if you've had the pleasure of leading someone to Christ, it is so vitally important that you maintain a friendship with them as best you can. I, I realize even with me uh, traveling and writing stuff, books and articles that people read it and they'll communicate and say, hey, that's been a blessing. I may not have a personal relationship with them, have a face-to-face relationship with them. I may not be their pastor of a local church, but you know, I'm playing my part in imitating Christ to people. But I encourage, even if you're listening right now, that this is a time that we can grow in God's word together and hopefully you can learn uh, from what God is teaching me. And as I learn from so many faithful followers of Jesus Christ, as I'm sure you have a list of people who you look to who imitate their faith, right? But it gets to a point where we take that and say, okay, but do I have a community of people? Do I have authority around me that are encouraging me and shepherding me who are overseers of my soul? I just met He's one of my best friends and he's my pastor and just having a refreshing time of, of talking about our lives and what God is doing in our lives and praying together, praying for one another, lifting up the needs that we have in our families. I need that. He's an example to me of someone who loves me, who's imitating Christ, inspires me, convicts me, motivates me to do the same. And, it, and it's iron sharpens iron. So Paul was always encouraging people to imitate his faith. He's a model. So when we evangelize, we also need to make sure that we maintain that type of loyalty, if you will, to that individual to be consistent in being an example. Now in the Greek, you became imitators. It's interesting because it's in the eros. What that means is Paul's indicating that upon hearing and witnessing Paul's example, see, that's why I'm stressing this so much in the opening because it's not just 
proclaiming the gospel like in a sermon where you give people an opportunity to come at the altar. They were hearing Paul, but notice they were also witnessing his example. So the Thessalonians, they started to follow Christ because of the consistent example and with the affliction that Paul was going through and how he not just survived through it, but how he processed it, the way in which he responded. This phrase here, in much affliction, remember the Thessalonians, they were witnessing a constant harassment that Paul was facing. They saw how the Jews treated his colleagues. Go back to Acts 17, verses 5 through 14. And in the New Testament, suffering or tribulation is very common among Christians that we see. If you want to live a godly life, Paul reminds Timothy. Remember, Timothy was facing this persecution with Paul early on in his ministry. He was seeing the Thessalonians go through much affliction. He constantly saw one of his best friends and spiritual fathers, Paul, you know, continue to face persecution and never let up. He had a thorn in his flesh, whatever that was, but we know it was severe. He asked God to take it away, but he never did. And eventually Paul was beheaded. And before he was martyred for his faith, he told Timothy, if you want to live a godly life, you will face much, much affliction, much tribulation, much suffering. And so you guys, that is common to the Christian faith. Nevertheless, we as Christians, despite what we face here on earth, we have peace and we have the joy of Christ that it's not just possible, but we will overcome tribulation in our lives. Why? Because Christ rose from the dead and that same power that raised Christ from the dead lies within us. And I love this phrase also, the joy of the Holy Spirit, because even amid suffering, Paul and his companions, they experienced the power and joy of the Spirit in their lives. And my friends, that is probably, and I wrote an article and the title escapes me now, but you can go to Christian Post and you can put like Joy and Jason Jimenez or something and pull up that article that I, I wrote about Joy. One of the great testimonies of key figures and even, again, consider the other list of people that you imitate their faith. One of the things you see that makes these people stand out is their joy. Isn't that, isn't that amazing? Is the joy they have because of the Holy Spirit. And that's a specific phrase. It's not just joy because they're happy because something, you know, they accomplished something. They've had great success in something. They're celebrating an anniversary. Yes, those are joyful experiences. But joy is not something that we can manufacture. Joy isn't something that we can create in and of ourselves. Joy comes from the Holy Spirit. In 1 Corinthians 4.16, let me just give you a couple of passages where Paul talks about being imitators. And one of the things I want you guys to consider with me is something that I've been really convicted over is looking at my life and saying, how joyful am I really? How am I communicating even in the times of stress? Gas prices go up and there's contention uh, you know, in your life and you got people who are causing problems and people who are accusing you and people who say you're letting them down and you got invasions and, and potential nuclear warfare and seeing people die of starvation and dehydration. I mean, there's a lot of tragedy and the more and more we just get fixated on that, we become depressed. We can become angry. We can get worried and we can get consumed. And I'm telling you guys something that I was just experiencing in my prayer time even actually this morning before I came into the studio to record this, I need to pray more. 
I need to lay my burdens before the Lord. And, and in that, Lord, help me to be more joyful so people can see the joy of Christ in me. They can see the power of the Holy Spirit, not just when I'm going through a time of difficulty, but also just as I communicate with them. Hey, when someone asks you, hey, how's, how's things, how are things going? How are you? And you could say, again, not gimmicky or kind of in a cheapened sense or that you're just concocting or falsifying something, but that truthfully, biblically, spiritually, you can say, man, I just got to say, first off, thanks for asking, but I just got to say, I am so filled with joy in my life right now. I'm so thankful for the blessings that God has given me. And it could be a laundry list of things. And so 1 Corinthians 4.16, notice Paul was urging the Corinthians to be imitators of him. And so that's what I'm saying, you guys, when you make that list of people say, okay, Jay, I got three or four or five people. Okay, let's start with that. Okay, if you have 10, 20, praise the Lord. Praise God that God is using you in a mighty way where you're impacting so many people. But if you have two or three, hey, don't feel bad. I mean, here's the point. God is using you where you're at. Now, could you do more? Could you share Christ? We all can, of course. I'm not, it's not a guilt trip. But when you look at that list of people that you believe, in all honesty, that you're making a difference in their life, that they're in, in many ways imitating your faith, remember 1 Corinthians 4.16. And don't, and please don't say, well, Jay, that's Paul, the apostle. He was saying, cause he's an, he's an apostle. He's like the Christian, right? He's the standard. So of course he's going to urge the Christians to imitate him. No, he's setting a marker here, my friends, to encourage all of us that we can say to people around us, just like I was telling my daughter one time, one of my daughters, you know, I do want you to marry someone like your, your dad. That's not cocky. That's saying, because I love Jesus. I love his word. I look to his word. I love their mother. She's my best friend. And I would die for my children. I would do anything for them. And I love spending time with them and teaching them God's word and just living life with them and laughing. And, and, and that's what I'm saying is I want her to marry someone who is devoted, who would be devoted to her like her mother's to me and I am to her mother. And that's what Paul is saying. Remember, he died for Christ. He wasn't just all talk. And so you guys, be, be inspired, if you will, in a sense that you can look around and, and when you make that list, you say, okay, how am I inspiring people to follow after me? You guys, we have so many false teachers out there saying, listen to me, thus saith the Lord to me, give money to me, I will heal you. I will give a word over you. I will bless you, whatever. And they promise these things and they don't deliver. We're going to be looking in the next chapter where Paul starts explaining, and this is what's so key, because as he's talking about how you guys have imitated me, he's reminding them and defending his ministry that he was not using flattery of words or taking them for granted because of greed. So his motives were not to take advantage of the Thessalonians, quite the contrary. He labored day and night, remember, for them. He worked hard without pay. And so in Philippians 3, 17, here again, Paul tells the church, brothers, join in imitating me. Guys, there's an invitation. And it's going to look differently for some of you guys than others, right? 
So when you tap somebody and say, hey, you know, I've been praying for you. And I was wondering if you would want to start meeting once a week where we can go through scripture together because you you realize that this person maybe is a new convert. They don't know much. Uh, they have a lot to learn and you want to help them along the way. Think of a protege. Think of uh, somebody like an intern coming in. I've had tons of interns through the years and trying to not just teach them the job, but the way of life and expose my marriage and the way I raise my kids and how I study God's word and my prayer life and, you know, being more intentional. And, and that's what Paul's saying, join in imitating me. And notice he says, and keep your eyes, this is Philippians three seventeen. and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. You guys, I, one of the things I am praying lately, and I pray for all the supporters here on the podcast that you would join me in praying for people who would be more intentional. And I know we use the word accountability and intentionality and inspiration so much to where it goes in one ear out the other. But what I'm saying is that we would be more uh, conscientious. We'd be more intentional to help people walk in the gospel by being an example. Because to be honest, I even look at my children. I have four, as you guys know. And my two oldest at this time I'm recording are going into, a, one's in adulthood already, one's about to. They're in college, they're experiencing that. And I got two younger ones who are following in their footsteps. And I talk to my kids on a regular basis about the influences they have. And a lot of times just listening to them, asking them questions. And, you know, there are times when it's disappointing because my kids are not... I don't want to use the word impressed because it kind of sound, sounds like this generation, Gen Zers are entitled and I get it. A lot of them are, but there are so many young ones that are looking for someone who would just model the faith to them, who would be intentional to say, Hey, I want you to be like me. I want you to learn from me. And I tell a lot of people that I've had the privilege of impacting and discipling and raising up, whether it be a particular role in ministry or just pouring into them in their marriage or helping them in, in their parenting or helping them grow in their faith and scripture or all the above. But I, I tell people in the ministry that I wish I had this when I was growing up. I wish I had, I had people who were modeling it to some degree. Remember, this is before social media, the internet even, and so it wasn't like you just go on there and can, you know, listen to a podcast like this and grow in your knowledge and understanding of scripture because of a particular podcast or YouTube. And there's so much these days, but I think the more that we've been saturated with information, the less removed people become. And so you may like a Bible teacher, like you may grow on this podcast, but, but of course, thousands of you guys who listen out there, I will probably never meet you guys, unfortunately, but we'll, we'll, we'll see each other in heaven. That's something we anticipate together, right? Um, but it's a, it's we need to be praying that people are examples, that they're examples of Christ and other people's lives, and that we would be intentional about. It. It's not cocky, okay? It's not about being cocky, because we know in the Christian faith we're saved by grace, and we know that that Paul himself says he was the chief of sinners. He says, "I am who I am by the grace of God." It wasn't anything that he did. Christ pursued him, and thank God, right? that he broke down and he confessed his sin and he had Ananias, he had Barnabas, he has Timothy here, he has Silas, he had so many people, he had Luke, Epaphroditus, Epaphras, 
So many people who poured into Paul to make him who he was. So guys, look around and say, Lord, who can I make a, a difference in their lives? Who, who, who can I pursue uh, in a more genuine, authentic way? What more effort can I make in the life of the people around me? Right as I'm recording this, there are several people that I've even put on a prayer list and said, Lord, I, I feel that you are calling me to pursue these people in the love of Christ. In, in It's going to be difficult. I'm trying to make room to make time for this, but I just feel you've called me to do this. I need to make a greater investment. And I'm telling you guys, so many people would be so thankful if you walk in their little life and say, let me help you. Second Thessalonians 3, 7 through 9, for you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us because we were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it, but with toil and labor, we worked night and day that we might, that we might not be a burden to any of you. It was not because we do not have that right, but to give you in ourselves an example to imitate so look at your life and say, are you imitating a life of patience? Are you imitating a life, you know, again, in Christ of generosity and love, knowledge, critical thinking? You, you say to someone, hey, let's get together and you make it happen. You go the extra mile with someone. There's a lot of superficiality there. But, but Paul says here, it was not because we do not have that right, but to give you in ourselves an example to imitate. So you guys, when you're out there living for Christ, you're being an example for people to imitate. And you and I know millennials and Gen Z, I'll stress it again. They, it's drastically been, I mean, it's been a nightmare to, 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 to say it or to put it mildly for this generation among us, these young kids who have not seen the model of Christianity being lived out on an intellectual level, on a practical level, theological level, a communal level, right? A lot of them sadly are seeing hypocrisy and they're seeing compromise. But I know we're out there and we just need to be encouraged to say, you know what? I love Jesus. I love his word. And you're right. I need to be more intentional to make a list of people that I that God is already using me, but how can you make a greater uh, impact in that person's life? And how can you expand that list Maybe you need to start a Bible study. Maybe you guys just start with this podcast and you send them standstarministries.org link and they can start with my notes, okay? It's not exhaustive. We intentionally you know, try to reduce that amount of content so that people can, can understand it in a chronological sense without being so heady and you know, just you know, dissecting exegetically the stuff in the Greek to where it gets like seminary level, right? There's a time and place for that. But this is something where you guys can take and say, you know what, you've laid the groundwork and I want to follow that example and I want to pour into the lives of other people in my life. So I pray that encourages you guys. And by the way, I didn't intend here on my notes to kind of drag that on. I just feel from the Holy Spirit to really encourage you guys out there to make more of a difference. Because notice in verse seven now here in 1 Thessalonians chapter one, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. Because Paul was example because Timothy and Silas were an example, the Thessalonians become examples to the believers. Notice it expands beyond that church that Paul started in Thessalonica to Macedonia and Achaia. Now, Paul used a seal. This is interesting. 
that marked wax, right, to convey how the Thessalonians were leaving the mark of faith wherever they went. So just like you would have a letter and they, there's a certain seal that somebody has and they would mark it in wax, that's what Paul's saying your faith is having. So guys, that's the, a specific question that I want to get to now. What mark are you leaving? What impression are you leaving in the lives of people around you? Macedonia and Achaia, you guys, were Greek areas. Remember, Greece was divided into two provinces. Macedonia was a northern part and Achaia was a southern part. And the capital, the, the capital of Achaia was Corinth. And that's where Paul was writing the letter. So Paul, even though he's removed specifically from the Thessalonians, T Timothy goes back, right, to get, you know, to find out what's happening to come back to him because he was concerned about Satan attacking them through the Jews and through affliction. But he's hearing their faith is expanding in these Greek areas. And so he says in verse 8, For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere so that we need not say anything. So Paul's description of the Thessalonians' faith, you guys, is fascinating. Here in the Greek, when he was talking about sounding forth, that the word of the Lord has sounded forth because of the Thessalonians preaching the gospel, proclaiming the gospel, you know, evangelizing. The Greek word here is to reverberate, to echo. It can also be translated, rang out. So the Thessalonians were so dynamic and they were so persistent in vocalizing their newfound faith that it echoed into every region they lived in. Isn't that amazing? Now, more than likely, Paul received these reports because when, when uh, Silas and Timothy were sent, you know, they, they returned from Macedonia. We see this in Acts chapter 18 and verse 5 in 1 Thessalonians 3 chapter 6 that we'll get to later. And so that's how he was able to um, you know, learn from some of these things. So it wasn't just him directly getting reports on Thessalonians, but getting them from his his uh, companions. Now, the other thing we see here is that Thessalonica, with it being, you know, at the Ignatian Way, this was a very strategic place. And we, we can't miss this. This was a traveling hotbed, okay, uh, uh, with tourists and people doing commerce, doing trade. This was the heart of the Roman Empire. And this is one reason, okay, there are many, but this is, remember, these are the beginning stages of the gospel spreading in the Roman Empire, and this was a strategic area. So when it was sounding forth, the gospel was spreading because of the Thessalonians, they had someone who modeled the faith. And that helped him, you guys, tremendously. So keep that in mind, you guys. It's not enough for people just to sit in a Bible-teaching church. We all need the Timothys, the Pauls, the Barnabases in our lives, the, the half-brother of Jesus, James, those kind of figures in our lives. Now, notice verse 9, For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. So what's amazing about the Thessalonians is they were using their testimony. They're letting the Greek cities, the people who, again, were in paganism, remember the veneration of idols was very common. That was a very common practice among the Thessalonians, the Macedonians, and the Achaeans. And so even in the temples, they would have the statue of the emperor. And they would worship the emperor. Many of them saw him as a deity or at least someone who, who revealed to them, you know, or gave access uh, to, to, for them to worship um, other deities. Now, the Thessalonians, though, 
they turned to Christ because of the ministry of Paul and his companions. And upon repenting and coming to Christ, what did the Thessalonians do? They abandoned idol worship and they devoted their entire lives to worshiping Jesus Christ as Lord. And they're telling their friends and their family members and it's spreading all throughout the Macedonia Achaia region. They no longer believed in the superstition associated with the temple ceremonies. They rejected necromancy and they were serving the one and true savior, Jesus Christ. And so that term to serve, Paul uses an expression of they were totally devoted to their master. That's impactful. That's a faith that you want to imitate. So we can't miss the degree in which the Thessalonians were impacting the lives of people around them. And so can you imagine what that would look like when you become more intentional, when you're more cognizant, when you are readily available to impact more people in your life, my friends? And I love the end of the chapter here in verse 10, and and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus who delivered us from the wrath to come. So Paul informs the Thessalonians of the return of Christ who will deliver his church from coming wrath on earth. Now there are several passages that teach Christians that they will be saved from the wrath of God to come. Now, before I mention two passages, the Greek word for wait here is translated to await, to reside with patience and confidence. So as you and I await the return, as you and I patiently and confidently, expectantly wait for Christ to return, let us remember that 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 9 says, God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Revelation 3.10, because you have kept my word about patient endurance, I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world to try those who dwell on the earth. So as you are an example, as you imitate your faith around uh, the people that God has placed in your life, as you pour into those people, my friends, wait patiently for the Lord. That is another great example. Not just your endurance through suffering, not just you know showing people how you um, have been converted from from you know whatever your past was, but that you, as you're living right now, you anticipate the return of Christ. That ultimately, this isn't your home. Your home is in heaven. And all of those things, you combine all of those things, the joy that you have because of the Holy Spirit, um, how you're echoing, how you are expanding, how you're vocalizing in an expressive, compassionate way, the gospel. Think about how much difference that would make with people around you. So often as Christians, we, we know Christ is the Lord and Savior. We're awaiting his return, but we don't talk about it with people around us because we're intimidated, we're embarrassed. And I pray that after you've heard this message today, as you join me uh, in learning uh, what Paul had to say to the Thessalonians here in 1 Thessalonians 1, that this has caused you guys to shift gears, if you will, into making sure that you are imitating your faith and that you are pouring into more people around you because we need more Christians, you guys, who are making disciples. That's what we're commanded to do in the Great Commission. 
So thank you guys for listening. If you have any questions, you can always contact me at info at standstrongministries.org. Check out our main website, standstrongministries.org, and you can click on podcasts and you can get Challenging Conversations podcasts that I do with the Christian Post, as well as the podcast you're listening to wherever you get your podcast. My notes are available online. Also, if you love Version, if you know what Version is, if you have that Bible app, you can also, while you're at standstrongministries.org, you can click on the link there on the homepage, I Will Stand Strong. It's a 30-day devotion that I did with David and Jason Benham, the Benham brothers. And it, we have had such a great response, especially from a lot of young people. It teaches you how to love God more. It teaches you how to stand strong in his word. And it teaches you how to build biblical community around your life. So if you want to do the 30-day challenge, you can check things out at standstrongministries.org. Thank you guys for listening. Until next time, keep standing strong, my friends. 